Welcome to the Salvatry Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. The XFL Week 4. We're taking the early week, the early week picks. Uh, breaking it down, I've done already a good amount of research on what happened last week, taking away usage notes, snap count percentages, routes run, targets, touches, all of that, injuries, and more. I did a recap podcast over on Patreon, went out this morning as I record this one on Tuesday, just released at 6 a.m. this morning, as well as the data sheets for snap percentages, targets, touches. Last week, Patreon, we did very well, everybody over there in terms of the cash game tiers and the tournament tiers for that matter. The final thoughts had a ton of people sending me uh, one patron was in first place up until the last couple seconds missed out on a hundred thousand dollars by one point had a good week lots of people sending me stuff so congrats to everybody uh, over there uh, chris and man i believe that was so congrats to all of you appreciate it had another fine week myself matched my week one so uh, very strong through three weeks now in the xfl um we're up towards uh, a little bit over five figure profit so it's it's been fun it's been really fun week two is the only little blunder so far and um last week the chalk hit for the most part you had to have your donald parms you had to have your cam phillips and um you could have got away with no philip walker depending on where you went after that josh johnson landry jones but obviously walker put you over the top so we are here now to take a, a really look back from some of the stats, but a look forward based on the salaries at the XFL week four. If you're new here, a lot of people are finding me because they're just into the XFL or they like NFL and now there's not as much competition in the XFL video streets and podcast streets. So welcome. I do appreciate you being here. If you get any value from this video, if all you can do by repaying me is hit the subscribe button on whatever platform, if it's a podcast platform or if it's YouTube right here, waving how you doing, if you hit the subscribe button, helps me out a ton, notification bell on YouTube, and then also leaving a five-star rate and review. I'm going to be doing continuously weekly $20 giveaways um, for one reviewer, new subscriber. You can subscribe and unsubscribe to the podcast and that'll count and get you back into the pool. Same thing over here on YouTube. So I do appreciate that. It's going to be weekly draw. Now I have some system set up where it pretty much is now counting it for me for the most part. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. And before we get into it, I just want to say strong th first three weeks of the XFL, the stadium attendance has gone up every week. They've outshot all of their viewership every single week projection. So it's looking good. It's looking good as we approach almost the midway point of the regular season here. So thank you for being along with the ride for me. I love it. It's like a boutique NFL when you have coverage wise, just a third or a quarter really of the teams to be covering each week. It, it makes it really nice. It's fun. So Hopefully you all are enjoying it. Let's get into this video now. So we're starting with the quarterback side, and Philip Walker only got priced up to $12,000. They only put $500 more on the guy's salary, who at this point is averaging 32 fantasy points per game. The next closest is actually Josh Johnson, who's been playing extremely well through two weeks, the highest-graded quarterback in the XFL, believe it or not. Uh, and he's uh, a full 10-plus fantasy points less than Philip Walker, averaging 21.9 fantasy points per game. Walker's just been unreal. He's attempting 35 passes per week through the first three weeks. That's number two in the league, only to Andrew Jones and uh, the Dallas Renegades, who now they face each other this week, so just only play players in that game might be a good idea. Dallas ranks seventh in coverage and fifth in pressure. Fine matchup for Philip Walker, who's right now has the number one offensive line overall. He has the most dropbacks and not under pressure in the entire league by two. Uh, the only concern for him is the price, and now you're getting him in a spot where it's arguably two of definitely two of the best four offenses in the league, two of the most pass friendly and pass friendly, and right now ranking one and two in pass attempts per game in the league. So yeah, this should be the highest total. I'm not shocked if you see this total finally open up somewhere around the 60 number. Um, this game is going to be a shootout. The only question you have to ask yourself is, 
which side of it do I want for quarterbacks or do I want to maybe save $2,000 and, and get a Josh Johnson in a really great matchup against New York? Um, do I think Cardell bounces back? Things like that. So uh, the top end quarterbacks are where I'm going to be going yet again. We'll talk about those guys at the 7K range that I have marked, but really not much interest. So Walker at 12,000, I have no concerns about getting away from him at this point. This offense is absolutely rocking and rolling. Last week, their running back, who was James Butler, the highest graded pro football focus running back overall on the slate. Um, but that's just because he had seven carries for 72 yards and he was very elusive with those, but he wasn't really doing much outside of that. So um, yeah, I think Philip Walker is an absolutely outstanding option. Landry Jones on the opposite side of this. I hinted at it. Number one in the league at 40.5 pass attempts per game. He's been strong. I mean, he's been averaging, what, 290 yards so far through the two starts. Yes, his problem in college was throwing interceptions and he threw two of those last week, but it's not that concerning when it's only docking a point. And if you're throwing interceptions and the other team's scoring pretty quickly and Houston should be able to do that, it just forces you to throw the ball more. So I'm completely fine with it. He has 2.28 seconds in the pocket. So he's getting the ball out rather quickly. That ranks top three in the league for any quarterback so far this season. Um, You get seven play action passes per game ranks only behind Cardell Jones for the second most in the league. So lots of passes, obviously going to be lots of play action passes, which is setting up a lot of efficiency. It's just a short passing clinic too right now. So um, they're just getting off a ton of plays. They're averaging around 70 plays per game at this point. That's good for top three in the XFL, 72 plays per game over their last two weeks as well. 68 last week and and 72 um, or in 74. Uh, with the week before. So both of these guys in this game look like really strong options this week. And it this is the issue. Like the quarterback play in the XFL, yeah, there's some bad play, right? New York right now is having some awful play. Seattle's a little bit murky, although Brandon Silver's had a great graded week last week on the season. He hasn't looked that good. Tampa Bay is up and down with how their quarterback plays, but the majority of it ha- has been rather good. Um, I would say five out of the eight quarterbacks in this league have, have looked strong and good. And we'll see what happens in New York with Luis Perez and Marquise Williams. If any of them can get to get it together, all these games should start to feature some really strong quarterback play. And Josh Johnson at $10,200 is exactly that. He's the highest graded quarterback through the first two weeks in the XFL. Um, and, and it's really no surprise with how well he played last week. Last week, Josh Johnson's overall stats finishing up were 72% completion percentage, 18 to 25, 278 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and just one sack. Overall, he was the highest graded passer, highest overall graded uh, quarterback on the slate. The only downside for Josh Johnson is he's just not running right now, right? I uh, had just one quote unquote rush attempt last week for negative one yards the week before he wasn't showing it. It's probably injury related. And as he gets healthier, and maybe it could be this week, you could start seeing those three, four attempts for 20, 30 yards from a quarterback that already is producing fantasy points. He has 14 deep attempts through two weeks. That's second in the league over the last two weeks. New York is dead last in coverage. He he has the set, um, and they're also, right now his team is seventh in pass blocking. So that's that's the concern. You have a terrible coverage unit that has an okay pass rush in New York, but your pass blocking is not that great, but he's been thriving under it so far. Maybe it leads to a little bit more rushing attempts. The problem is it should be the slowest um, paced game. And that's a big concern because New York at this point hasn't ran 60 or more plays in a game. They've ran so far this year 51 49 and 58 plays. That is brutal right now. Pretty much the the league is averaging over 65 plays per game at this point. Um, Five out of the last week, five teams ran at least 65 plays, I believe. So that's just concerning at this point. And we had one running 80, a couple running 70, high 60s. So it's a concern with how New York's playing, their quarterback play. So is it a situation where LA runs the ball more? Because he was highly effective, right? He, he threw 25 passes last week and threw three touchdowns. Um, that's not going to happen all that much. Um, he, he ended up completing 18 of his passes and three of them were for touchdowns. The touchdown percentage is not going to stay that efficient. And now you're facing one of the worst teams, if not, in my opinion, the worst team in the league. So that's a concern. I think Josh Johnson's talent is there. I think he has looked really sharp through the first two weeks. 
The concern for me would be, do they stay in this game at all with New York? Um, and is it a slower paced game because of that? And is he just a little bit less efficient than he has been? Well, then you're probably um, not paying all that much for it. Uh, and you're not really getting for what you pay for. Maybe Landry Jones in the same price range might be a better option. But so far through his two weeks of play, because he didn't play week one, number one uh, pass rating quarterback, number one graded quarterback by PFF. Cardell Jones. Oh my God. Second worst ranked out of 11 scheduled quarterbacks last week and in slated and marked and charted quarterbacks. Um, Cardell Jones is the second worst, had the second worst passing grade and the worst overall grade, the worst overall grade that we've seen so far um, in the XFL uh, so far this season was Matt McGloin, I believe, last week. Matt McGloin's performance last week was a graded below a 23. Cardell Jones this past week was graded at 26.9. That is the third worst overall grade for any quarterback through the first three weeks of the season. And when I say any quarterback, you've so far had 17 quarterbacks line up on their center and throw a pass. And Cardell Jones has now been graded his week three performance, the third worst when he goes for 50% completion percentage, 103 yards and four touchdowns or four interceptions, sorry, no touchdowns, four interceptions, three sacks. I don't know what happened. LA's defense now ranks number one in coverage. Maybe they were better than we thought. Maybe firing their defensive coordinator after one week really lit a spark under them and they got some things figured out. But what? maybe it was a factor of Cardinal Jones in this offense thinking they were high and mighty and number one ranked team and all this. Who knows? Maybe it was a letdown spot. Um, I'm just going to not really think much of it when you're still seeing nine pass attempts per game number one in the league. He's still, he went from being the number one graded quarterback to the number three, only 23.1% completion rate on his deep passes last week compared to the 83% that he was having on the season. Um, yeah, LA's now number one coverage, 26.9 grading overall last week. Terrible. So uh, Cardinal Jones, it's not really something that I am going to just go out on a limb and say, oh yeah, that's just what's going to happen now on. No, I think it's obviously um, the worst performance we'll probably see out of this team. It's hard to get worse than that. But what do you saw from weeks one and weeks two, especially with DeAndre Tompkins now healthy, their team getting healthier. Seems like a situation where that was just a trap spot. That was just a letdown spot. I think they come right back out. He's priced right next to Landry Jones and Josh Johnson, though. So it's not a guarantee when his his floor, we thought, was around like 16 to 18 fantasy points last week. I still think it's around there more times than not. Um, but the upside, is it the 30 plus that you think Philip Walker has that if um, Josh Johnson starts throwing that I think he has that with 40 pass attempts a game that Landry Jones probably has. So a little bit concerning there. The Tampa Bay quarterbacks, I marked them, but I'm not really interested. So just watch Aaron Murray's status at 7,600. Um, just a tougher matchup against DC, but they're probably going to be forced to throw the ball more. Taylor Cornelius at 1% owned, scored 23 fantasy points last week. And then his price point, I believe, goes down, right? Or maybe came up $300. He's $7,000 now. So the upside is that he's cheap, but... Um, the problem is you had his ceiling game last week, right? He was as good as he can be last week at 23 points. And in terms of like actual quarterback grades, he was the third worst ranked quarterback because he only completed 52% of his passes. But for fantasy purposes, he got a touchdown in on the ground. He was probably as good as it gets for him, especially with how much usage um, they ended up giving to, in this one, Quinn Flowers. He had a rushing touchdown as well, a couple pass attempts. And he still didn't matter, right? Obviously, he's cheap, and Philip Walker went for 18 more points. But the problem is, through the first three weeks, we've had a quarterback go for 30-plus points every single week, and we've had multiple quarterbacks go for around 25-plus points. Landry Jones, Josh Johnson, Philip Walker all played really well last week. So even when Taylor Cornelius, who's barely owned, goes for 20 or 22 fantasy points, it's not really moving the needle for you. Yes, it gives you more salary to do other things with, but what did you need that salary for last week? Uh, Pearson L wasn't that great. Nelson Spruce didn't end up getting you there, right? Um, obviously, you got Cam Phillips at the top, but you could have gotten there by still playing Philip Walker like many tournament winners did. So I'm still concerned about trying to go down to these cheap guys. Jordan Tayamu, I mentioned it last week, if you were watching either my Saturday or Sunday stream on YouTube, Twitch, and Sportscaster, 
Jordan Tayamu is, is not the quarterback you want to play. Week two was an absolute uh, lie in terms of they had to throw the ball more and they still want to run the ball. They're running the ball 60% of the time this year. They threw it 18 times in week three because they were touchdown favorites. Anytime they're going to be favored, like they will this week against Seattle, they're just going to try and throw the ball 20 to 22 times. Their pass catchers are wildly overpriced. Jordan Tamlin's price point at least came down to the four-figure range now, but he's still wildly overpriced. Yes, he looks really good when he's actually passing the ball, although been extremely efficient, Russell Wilson-esque. I don't know how much that stays up for a guy with no real pro experience. But in this offense, you're looking for any time that this team is leading and comes into a game as a touchdown favorite. Again, we'll see what the spread is for this week. He, he, the, the game plan is going to be don't throw the ball more than 24 times. And last week, 18 times, right? Um, they ran the ball 58.3% of the times last week. Uh, just disgusting compared to some of these other teams that are only running the balls 30 to 35% of the time. I'll take those quarterbacks instead. Moving over to the running back sheet now, I will call out at this point that... Um, so right now, this video is sponsored by drafters.com. They're going to have best ball leagues. I know a lot of people listening and watching probably enjoy best ball, and then it, it left. Draft.com doesn't have it anymore. Um, they're weeks away from releasing their best ball contest for the NFL is what I've been told, or um, just getting those set up. But right now, they have snake drafts, online snake draft format. It's different than the salary cap. You don't have to worry about trying to fit the puzzle together. I really do like drafters.com. They run a lot of promotions at points as well. One of the promotions that they do through my channel, my podcast, my, my um, content here is a hundred, hundred percent deposit match up to $50. So you put in $10 just to try and try it out. You'll get $50 or a hundred dollars. I'm all over the place. You get $10, hundred percent match right back to your bank account over there on drafters, but you have to use the promo code Sal 100 to let them know you came for me. So SAL 100. There's your plug for that. And if you're still listening, you can check out my Patreon exclusive content. It's linked up down below. I'll link it up above right now here. That is where those tiers are. That is where the recap podcast, in-depth statistic sheets on snaps, usage, all of that went into last week. Um, I probably had six or seven or eight DMs last week out of the um, more people probably have Patreon that did well, but six or seven people reached out to me, which is a spike week with um, at least winnings of four figures or more in profit. So absolutely fantastic week three. Come join the community if you're interested over on Patreon. Tears, more content goes out later in the week. Beginning of the week content has already been released and is ready to be consumed. So go get it. Running back now. It's really hard to ignore these Dallas running backs. Even with Cameron starting pain at $8,000 and me not wanting to pay up for running backs. And I didn't pay up for him last week. In my tier one for last week, it was actually Lance Dunbar and, and Jock Patrick. Then the first tiers in tier two. Ended up being Cameron Sarn and Payne, and I believe Christian Michael. So obviously, Martez Carter was just ruled in like minutes before the game. And Jock Patrick didn't end up working out for us at 4,400, but ended up seeing 50% of the snaps. More times than not, if you told me he was going to play 50% of the snaps at 4,400 in only a two running back backfield, I still probably would have played him. And he was so cheap that it didn't really matter. And Lance Sumber was still one of our tier one options. So as long as you were playing and messing around with your lineups, you probably still got to a lot of Lance Dunbar. Cameron starting paying at $8,000, hard to ignore. He's the number one running back in routes run with 63, 23 per game so far through three weeks. He played 77% of the snaps last week. Houston ranks third in run defense. Um, he has the number three run blocking offensive line in of the league, so pretty good. And you're going to be looking at a fast-paced offense in a fast-paced high-scoring game. He has 45 touches so far this season. It's hard to ignore. $8,000 is clearly a steep price point, especially with the pricing getting more efficient now as the season goes on. But I prefer the Dallas backs to like the St. Louis backs, even if the St. Louis backs are throwing more. And I'll tell you why in a second. Matt Jones, $7,100, leads the league with 52 touches. Yes, that's seven more than Cameron Sarn and Payne right now, but he only runs 11 routes per week to the 23 that Artis Payne is running. He only has one reception so far this season. And that's really not going to be uh, getting it done for you all that much. If you only have one reception so far this season, as I pull up right now, 
just running back receptions on the year here, just to kind of uh, show you where that ranks, 15 receptions for Cameron Sarn and Payne. Um, and this is just a guy who's a little bit more expensive. It's just not great. He's been extremely inefficient and ineffective. They have the number seven run blocking unit, even though they like to run the ball 60% of the time. And he's in a pretty clear running back by committee with Christian Michael. So Matt Jones at 7,100. Yes, he's similar to Cameron Sarn and Payne in terms of the backfield touches and usage, but he's just not catching passes. Artis Payne is catching five passes per game right now when Matt Jones is not even catching one pass per game. That's literally contributing 50 yards per game right there without any additional yardage, just in PPR fantasy points for Cameron Sarn and Payne, more than what Matt Jones is getting. It's just really hard to c- compete with that unless you're scoring touchdowns, which Jones has scored touchdowns week one and week two. But when he doesn't do it, he's going to fall flat on his face. Lance Dunbar doesn't get any type of a price bump. And this is concerning. He's the number one running back in the league with 17 slot routes run. And th- concerning, meaning they, they got everybody else priced up, but now he looks like a good option. Um, he's first in the, the league with uh, running back targets at 23. And those targets rank fourth among any positional player. He played 61% of the snaps last week. Austin Walter, um, Marquise Young, that played 14 plus snaps each week or each, each week one. And they got a combined four snaps last week. They played none. So he played 61% of the snaps, was actually on the field a lot with Cameron Sarn and Payne because he lined up in the slot about five or six times and ran a route. He's number one in the XFL in receptions. He's tied for number one in receptions with 20. His role in this offense is absolutely fantastic. He has an 87% catch rate. Lance Dunbar, again, right now, how can you ignore that? He, at 6,700, has 20 receptions to Matt Jones's one reception. I don't care that Matt Jones has 52 touches compared to Lance Dunbar at this point, only having somewhere around the mid thirties and touches. I don't care because most of those touches for Matt Jones are literally one and two and three yard runs when most of those touches for Lance Dunbar would equivalent to what end up being like 14 yard runs for Matt Jones because one reception for four yards is going that much further. Had 11 targets last week, led the XFL. Unreal. Unreal Lance Dunbar has been. Danelle Pumphrey's price point drops. It's really hard to judge last week because the blowout pulled so many people off the field. He played 37% of the snaps, which was the most out of the four running backs that played. Danelle, um, Jarrell Presley only played last week 21% of the snaps, so he still seems to be the clear workhorse in the backfield. He's number two behind Lance Dunbar in the league, and running backs routes out of the slot just means that he's being used in a very good way in this offense. They're actually um, being smart and being efficient and effective in this offense using running backs in the slot, so that's good to see. Um, $6,500, again, Lance Dunbar looks a little bit better as of right now. Christine Michael, the high run offense in St. Louis, the guy who's splitting the workload with Matt Jones, and he scored a touchdown last week. And yeah, Matt Jones had the overall better day on the ground, but you're still pricing them at a $1,400 difference. Uh, 38 touches for Michael in the year. He's ran 31 routes. So right now he's actually running similar routes to Matt Jones. He has three receptions, so three more than Matt Jones. He had two last week. He's just very game flow dependent, and they're going to be favorites against Seattle. And Matt Jones and, and Christian Michael are game flow dependent when Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar are not game flow dependent. They are leading wide receivers on their team at this point in the team that throws the most in the league right now, 40 and a half attempts per game. So Christian Michael, 5,700, definitely in play, especially at that price point. Like you're starting to get to him looking like one of the better, just cheap options on the slate. And you can probably bank on him for 12 to 15 plus touches in a fine matchup. It's just the fact that you have no escapes. If he's not scoring a touchdown, he's going 12 carries for 60 yards. What is that doing for you? There's really not much passing game usage for him in this offense. Martez Carter, he's only in play if Elijah had misses again, but Even then, he might not be in play. The price point came up really quickly, but he did play 60 plus percent of the snaps. He did have 15 total touches on 14 routes run in three receptions. That's pretty good. So it looked like he wasn't game flow dependent. Now, a lot of people might roster him because he scored a couple of touchdowns last week. New York is seventh in run defense. So the matchup sets up well for him. They should get out ahead. And then if he's going to play 60% of the snaps, 
maybe see another 14 or so touches. Um, like the fact that he ran 14 routes, that's around what we're seeing out of the league average, maybe a little bit better than it right now in the XFL for running backs. The problem is if Elijah Hood comes back, it's going to eat into that. Even if he still sees a role, it's not going to be that impressive. Jock Patrick at $5,000. Week one, he played a third of the snaps. Week two, he played half the snaps. Week three, he played half the snaps. He just did not have as much usage week three um, as he did week two, or at least effectiveness on his carries. He still had 12 touches last week. He just wasn't as effective on the ground. So Jock Patrick at $5,000. Yeah, the price point comes up $600. That's not ideal, but he does have 36 touches through three weeks. So pretty consistent, 12 touches per week. He has had, he has ran 42 total routes uh, through three weeks. And if you're counting running back so far this year, those 30, those 42 total routes, are actually ranked fourth in running back. And his teammate, Devion Smith, is ranked second with uh, 55 routes right now. So he's being utilized properly in this offense. Um, If you think that they play from behind, maybe he runs a little bit more routes. That has upside. DC ranks fifth in run defense. And Tampa Bay has the number one run blocking scheme in the league. So at $5,000, his teammate's 6,100, Devion Smith. I currently don't have him listed. Devion Smith should probably be listed as somebody who's in play. If you're going to be going out there and running somewhere around 18 routes per week, that's really strong. If you're going to be going out there and pretty much blocking yourself into 12 plus touches, that's really strong. Like Devion Smith at 6,100. There's not much of a difference between Devion Smith. So I'm going to make him an X2 now that I think about this. There's really not much of a difference between him and $5,700 Christine Michael, except the fact that Devion Smith's actually used in the passing game a lot more than Christine Michael. So both of those guys for Tampa Bay look like they're in play. Darius Victor, he misses week two with the head injury or gets hurt really early after five snaps, plays 53% of the snaps in the following week. So looked really good last week, went right back to being that lead dog like he was week one, had 12 touches. The problem is the offense is a concern. They play extremely slow, but LA is ranked dead last in run defense. But then the problem is New York is ranked dead last in run blocking. So um, really, really, he's just your cheap pump play. Like if you want to play a guy at, at below $5,000 this week that you probably think, barring any injuries like you had last week with Carter, that you might think sees... 10 to 15 touches and has touchdown upside and, and run some routes. That's going to be Darius Victor. So far, Darius Victor has 29 routes run through two weeks. So right there above average 15 or so routes per week and, and he's cheap. So that's really what you get there. So I have listed here nine running backs that I think are in play and that's where I'm at. They will be ranked in tiers later this week. I will also have a final thoughts video later this week as well. Finally, getting over to wide receiver. If you are still here, if you are still here, let me know down below in the comments, who is your favorite wide receiver? Now, if you're listening on the audio version, you can include this in a five-star rate and review if you have a couple of seconds. And I'll just once again, I'll throw out there, please hit that subscribe button. If you're already subscribed on the podcast and you still want to enter the $20 weekly raffle, all you got to do is unsubscribe and then resubscribe, right? It still counts for me as somebody subscribing for that day. And the more people that subscribe in a single day, it bumps up the podcast algorithms on YouTube. Um, subscribe, Unsubscribing and subscribing on YouTube really doesn't help much, but if you want to just do that to get credit, I do appreciate that. Make sure you resubscribe and then hit the notification bell. That's the big one. If you hit the notification bell, that's what I'm really trying to urge people to do. So um, that's the biggest thing on YouTube because once I start releasing some season-long fantasy football content in a couple of months, you know, like top five running backs, those types of videos, notification bell, those first couple of people who come into the video, it can spike the algorithm if a lot of people are rushing towards the video at once. And the way that you rush towards the video at once is you get the, the notification. Sal just posted top five running backs. Oh, it looks appealing. I'm just going to watch the first couple of minutes or scroll through, see who they are, right? If a lot of people do that or a good amount, it could push me up onto the YouTube trending page. And that's when you start to get those 100,000 view videos. Nobody's really caring about the XFL that much to hit me with 100,000 views, but videos like that for football season, they do get really popular. So appreciate that. That's just the explanation to why you should do it, right? I think it's at least worth mentioning. So subscribe button and wide receivers. It's a long list. It's 18 players on this list that I think are in play. I mean, the big thing is just stick to the offenses that have good quarterbacks, which is like five of them at this point. Pretty easy to get the other teams out of there. But the problem with that is Tampa Bay is just running a very tight wide receiver rotation. You had last week, um, 
you had ending up last week with Jalen Tolliver and Dan Williams actually playing on a hundred percent of the snaps each on the outside and Reese Horn then running um, all of his routes out of the slot. So these Tampa Bay receivers are very sneaky in this league, but we'll get to these other guys first at the top Cam Phillips. Yeah. If you want to play him, go for it. Right. Uh, he had, he's leading the XFL in yards by 68 over Nelson Spruce. He's been absolutely fantastic. He averages 2.95 yards per route run. He has seven touchdowns. I mean, what is there to say negative about him? Now he's going to be going up in probably what is the number one game so far this season in the XFL and potential points with the total should be right. Maybe in the high fifties or sixties around there. So if you want to play Phillips, I have nothing negative to say. He's obviously expensive, not that more expensive than last week though. And he has the upside to do it. Nelson Spruce at 10,700, only played 62% of his snaps out of the slot, only played 56 total snaps last week, but that's just due to a blowout, right? They only threw the ball 25, or they only threw the ball 25 times for 18 completions. Um, they came off the field, most of the starters with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they really only played three quarters or so at this point. So 56% of the snaps, you put him on in the, the fourth quarter, he's probably playing somewhere around 75 to 80 plus percent of the snaps. And then it starts to look a little bit normal. They had the lead. He's a slot wide receiver. So he's going to come off the field a lot more when his team has the league. Low volume on those four targets, but again, if you put him on the field for another 20 to 25% of the snaps, it's probably a six-target game. Um, 2.51 yards per route run. If people come down off of Nelson Spruce in a matchup against New York, I think it's still a strong spot for him. Donald Parm price point spiked as it should over the last two weeks. He's been an absolute monster. Um, look, this game should be a shootout. So I don't think he's completely out of play. Houston ranks third in coverage. He's number three in targets with 24 in the season. And he's number two over the last two weeks since um, Landry Jones has taken over 2.85 yards per route run is very similar to the production that Cam Phillips is getting per route this season. Donald Parm is a very strong option. The problem is his price point is now up there. You have to kind of wait him versus some of these other receivers out there. He's pretty much running as a primary slot receiver though. So there's a lot of upside. Eli Rogers played 99% of the snaps week three. He was the team leader in targets yet again. He's the clear cut consistent piece of this offense. Rashad Ross has been the boomer bus guy leading the league in deep passes, right? DeAndre Tompkins came back last week and looked good, but it's hard to really trust him because we don't have much of a sample. Eli Rogers every single week is running a ton of routes, seeing a lot of targets. And it's just a matter of, can he get a connection with Carlo Jones? Like he did week one, like he somewhat did week two and just nobody did week three. Um, Khalil Lewis is in play. He's just so expensive for a slot wide receiver. The offense is obviously great, but you're paying 8,900 for a guy who more times than not is going to run a good amount of routes, but run the same routes as Nick Holly. And last week he produced more than Nick Holly, but he's double the price and they're running the same routes in the same depth. So hard to really sell me totally on Khalil Lewis. Rashad Ross had four more deep targets uh, tied for the league lead with Trey McBride last week at 20 plus. He now leads the league with nine on the season. So he's obviously your boomer bust option against Tampa Bay. I don't think he's out of play. I think he's more of a GPP only option. Trey McBride having yellow because he got hurt. He got hit with an, well, he got in a play where an unnecessary roughness penalty hit his head has probably a concussion. We'll see what the official report says. He got priced up to $8,100. He went for five catches, 109 yards and two touchdowns on a team leading six targets on only 11 routes run. He was on pace after I did the math. Um, I originally said 18. He was on pace for 16 routes run uh, on 25 pass attempts. So he was playing about two thirds of the snaps or so, which coming back from injury is not terrible. No sight black and all right before the game. He was less than 1% on. And a couple of people in our Discord ended up getting him in after, um, I believe somebody asked me and I said, if Saeed Blacknall is in, I don't want Trey McBride. If he's out, well, then he's a long shot, but he has upside. So that's the upside that you saw. But seeing six targets for that much usage, two touchdowns, 100 plus yards on 11 targets, uh, on 11 routes run only. Yeah, obviously fantastic, but he got hurt. So keep an eye on his status. He's now priced up to 8,100. Um, I do think he'll be running a good amount of routes, uh, but it, it depends on what his one injury status is. And two, how you want to build your uh, build your offense out because you might just be chasing that. 
Um, did have four deep targets though. Jeff Bidette seems like a nice GBP bounce back option at 8,100. Should be a high scoring game. He led the team in 30 with 34 routes run in week three. He just let everybody else down, right? Jeff Bidette in week three really didn't end up doing much after that. Um, I believe Jeff Bidette finished last week with, as I pull it up here, 34 routes run. He had two receptions on four targets for 13 yards. That's not going to get it done at this price point. But he's still a fine and a very serviceable wide receiver. I mean, you saw week two um, that there is a connection there for him uh, within this offense. He ended up having nine targets, six catches, 53 yards. So I think but that's still definitely in play. I think there's an upside that we have yet to see in this offense from him. Now we get to the point of the show where it's just these Tampa Bay wide receivers and their usage is unbelievable. Um, so starting with right now, we'll start with Jalen Tolliver, who's only $6,000, played 100% of the snaps last week. He ran 46 routes and saw 12 targets. He is number four in the XFL with 23 targets. He is number one in route run with 113. DC ranks right around average fourth in coverage. Looks pretty good. He's now gotten it done with um, week one, Aaron Murray, and then week three, Cornelius. So Looks pretty good. Dan Williams, also 100% of those uh, snaps last week, also ran 46 routes, ended up having a nice catch and run touchdown. Um, just two receptions though, but he's number two in the XFL with 112 routes run per week. Unbelievable. Let's just jump down a little bit to Reese Horn, 85% of the snaps last week, all of them out of the slot. Tampa Bay is pretty much just using, if you look at my um, my on my Twitter, follow me over there. Uh, if you look at my this chart I posted for all the wide receiver snap counts at Salvatore DFS, they're pretty much only using three wide receivers. Those two on the outside, Reese Horn in the slot. Reese Horn is fourth in the XFL in routes run with 108 so far this season. He has seen 19 targets, 13 receptions. He has also been very elite in terms of the usage that he is getting. He's just on the field a ton. These 10 Bay receivers are hard to ignore, especially when Horn's 5,000. Maybe, maybe you can tell me that Dan Williams at 7,800 is too expensive for you, but Horn and Tolliver are 6,000 for Tolliver, 5,000 for Horn. It, it's just hard to not at least have strong interest early on in them. Because all three of their receivers are top four in the XFL in routes run. It reminds me of the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, early in the year last year when they were running a ton of plays and really running the same wide receivers every single time. You're getting a ton of usage for these guys. When they're going to be running, I don't know, 35 on average routes per week, and you're really hard-pressed to see some of these other top wide receivers run 25 to 30 in that week because of rotations, um, it's really, really attractive, and it makes it a little bit easier to feel secure rostering them. Alonzo Russell for St. Louis is the only St. Louis piece I would touch. And even then he looks disgusting, right? Look, if I think that Jalen, if I think that Jordan Tayamu is going to throw 24 times, and I think that might be a high number this week, uh, I'm going to say that, okay, four of them are going to go to running backs and, and tight ends. Now you have four receivers rotating in for these last 20 targets and nobody stands out above the rest. So they're all going to see somewhere around five targets. So yeah, I don't want Pearson L. I don't want Washington at their high price points. They don't throw the ball downfield ever at this point. They only have four deep passes on the entire season. Literally last week alone, half the quarterbacks were attempting six to seven deep passes in one week. And now you have Alonzo Russell, the price point drops $100. But do I really want to pay for that for four or five targets? No, I really don't. But he's the only one in St. Louis that I would barring any injury. DeAndre Tompkins is still only 5,200. He ran a bunch of routes last week for DC. So he's still in play. Um, there's obviously no reason that he's not. He's, he's wildly underpriced in my opinion still. And last week was just a terrible week for this entire offense. Tompkins ended up running more routes in week three last week, which was encouraging to see. He ran 29 routes compared to the 27 routes that he ran in week two. The bigger news probably that I didn't mention on Rashad Ross, Rashad Ross, week one, he ran 21 routes, right? They said he needed to learn the playbook. Week two, he runs 26 routes. Okay, so he's gaining five routes. Week three, he ran 31. So he's gained five routes per week. Now, I don't know how much that trend continues, but he's looking like a full-time wide receiver for this team. So the boomer bust upside is becoming not more stable, but at least more consistent when it comes from routes run. 
Flynn Nagel at 4,800 ended up getting in the end zone. The most slout routes, slout routes run in the league right now at 100. 98% of his routes come out of the slot. And he ran 33 routes last week, ended up scoring the touchdown, had a decent day, and now a, a spot where it's going to be a high-flying offense. When you're in this range for slot receivers, you're really picking between like the Flynn Nagels and the Nick Hollies of the world. They're playing each other this week. They're both going to run somewhere around 35 routes probably. They should both see five or six targets, and it's probably going to be very touchdown dependent. Uh, Reese Horn, Flynn Nagel, and Nick Holly are all slot wide receivers that have upside, in my opinion, in this price range. Uh, Joshua Crockett, probably not somebody you really want to get to, uh, but the, the nice thing for Joshua Crockett so far this season is that he's at least running routes. Last week, the routes did come down a little bit, though, as I pull up Dallas's routes run. Last week, Joshua Crockett, he did run 23 routes. Uh, so at least keeps him in play if you're going to run that many routes. The week before, though, he did see 30 routes run. So uh, the problem for him is that Jazz Ferguson returned and Ferguson ran 15 routes last week. So he is running currently as sort of the rotational wide receiver three behind Bidette and Flynn Nagel, technically, right? I mean, you have Parm out there running in the slot, but uh, on paper, they're wide receiver three, starting wide receiver switching in and out with Jazz Ferguson. He's a 3K punt option. I wanted to put Austin Duke on here to just let you know that he looks like a complete trap. He only ran 13 routes last week, ended up catching four passes for 43 yards and a touchdown on six targets, and that was with three quarterbacks. Now, Luis Perez was the one who threw him his touchdown pass late in the game. Uh, Luis Perez was the one who looked at him the most, but it's just not sustainable and likely fade-worthy. If Joe Horn returns, he's not even in play for me, but you had a very tight three-wide receiver set last week from this New York team, and Austin Duke still remained the backup. You had McCall McKay on the outside, the X Factor. Um, You had T.O. Redding on the outside, and then you had Colby Pearson running 28 routes out of the slot. Austin Duke, by all accounts, was in the game late because of blowout run and was the backup slot receiver to Colby Pearson in this game. So I don't really have any interest in Colby Duke at 30, or Austin Duke at at 3,300. Lastly, Alonzo Moore at the flat minimum. Just He shouldn't be the flat minimum. This is the main issue here. He didn't play week two, but then he played 79% of the snaps week three as the wide receiver three for Seattle. This team does like to throw the ball deep. He ran wildly ahead of Dante's Bird. I want to see if there was an injury on Bird because for some reason he just didn't play all that much. But he did run 26 routes and see five targets week three. You shouldn't be the flat minimum $3,000 if you're going to run 20 plus routes, 25 plus routes, let alone. He did run 24 routes week one. So I think Alonzo Moore is at least an interesting really punt all the way down at the bottom option that potentially has some upside. So that's where I'm at. This is a a long week podcast or a long early week podcast. Hopefully it helps. That's a lot of this research I've done. I'm going to do a lot more and post it over on Patreon. We'll have a live stream later in the week. So be sure to check that out. Uh, The interest on these videos is is obviously going down. Week one, this type of video had like 5,000 views. Last week had like 1,500. But that means that you're probably also going to have a much better advantage in the XFL contest because less people are watching them. So appreciate you tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Do it on all of them. Hit the subscribe button, unsubscribe, resubscribe, whatever you want to do a ton of times to get into the $20 giveaway here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell and the subscribe button and be sure to check out my Patreon exclusive content. Be sure to check out drafters.com. Promo code SAL100 gets you a 100% deposit match up to $50. Let's them know you came from me. Best of luck, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.